0: to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Over the next hour, you'll hear what's going on in the sports world from a Christian's perspective. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel III. This is a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Today's program will feature interviews with Dale Hellestray of the Dallas Cowboys, U.S. Olympic basketball player Lisa Leslie, pastor and skateboarder Christian Hosoy and LPGA golfer Katie Detlefson. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. Or follow Roman on Twitter at SoldOut41. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III talking with Dale Hellistre of the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Dale Hellistre played on three Super Bowl teams with uh, that great Cowboys group that had a great run in the early 90s and uh, still out in Scottsdale, uh, we used to be neighbors out there, so Dale Hillestrade joins me on Sold Out. Dale, great to see you, buddy. Great to see
2: you, and what what better place to be than San Francisco this week and yeah. kind of the hub of the sports world right now.
1: Now, you and your wife and kids are out here. Uh, now, San Francisco, a lot of things to see. Have you guys been doing a little sightseeing at all? or We've been doing some sightseeing. My oldest daughter, who
2: graduated from ASU, works for Shutterfly, and so she's kind of showing us downtown san francisco cool. and getting to see some of those things i got to golf pebble beach on tuesday oh wow and uh and so it's been just a wonderful week the, the weather's cooperated and i'm uh, looking for another couple great days
1: they have a brand new stadium here so it's got to be weird not to see candlestick right i mean that's where you guys did all your business and uh this new stadium is supposed to be really nice but boy what a history in candlestick park
2: it's unbelievable i mean i we we drove by it uh, last time we were here and and uh, you just think back to all the huge games that were playoff played games. at that stadium, playoff games, championship games, and all those things. And, and the stadium's nice. Uh, I broadcast football games in the fall, did a 49er game. It's a spectacular stadium. So people stadium. are going to enjoy that. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely enjoy it if they can get the grass right.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, that's always a problem here because <laughs> of the weather, right?
2: It is, and for some reason... They've actually had more issues with the grass there Here, than the they did at Candlestick. In so.
1: Candlestick, they had a lot of issues with water. I yes. Mean, wet well, right at sea level
2: exactly. and any rain, and it would... In anyway. fact, there was
1: a playoff game. Was that, it was the 94 playoff game against San Francisco that you guys mudded it out there. It was really bad. And,
2: and remember, I always, the muddier the better for
1: me. Yeah, for linemen, us, yeah. Yeah, because us non-athletes, exactly. it doesn't affect us very but much. But it was, it was a fa- that game was weird. Yes. It, was, it was just a lot of mud. Yes, it was. Uh, Dale Hill with us here on Sold Out Sports Talk. and Dale, you know, I've missed Phoenix. was out there for 10 years. Um, and, you know, when we first were out there, it wasn't a great sports town. Uh, the Cardinals moved in. The Coyotes came in. The Diamondbacks came in. Uh, the hockey team came in. Yep. Uh, now it's a sports mecca. It's grown so much. I mean, it was just growing when we were out there in the early 80s. But Phoenix is a credible sports town now.
2: It is. And you got the four major sports now. And, and what's kind of interesting is that when you're talking about the 90s, that was kind of the, the Suns era. The Suns were exactly. really good you know, in the early 90s. And now things have kind of completely flip flop to where – the Arizona Cardinals win 13 games this year. They're the darlings of the city and uh, and all that. So it, it's fun to see how it has grown. Beautiful stadium out in the West Valley for the Cardinals. Um, the, the hockey team, the Coyotes, struggling a little bit attendance-wise and ownership-wise and, and those type of things. But it is neat to be in a city that has four major sports.
1: Dale, this game... This game has been amazing. I can't get over in the 24 years I've been covering it where it's come because my first one was in Phoenix, the okay. first Phoenix Super Bowl with you guys right. in Pittsburgh. I was with Bill Cowher the other day, and, of course, he's lamenting that loss, but we were also with him at Super Bowl 40 when they won. Uh, your recollections of this game when you played it uh, and now?
2: Well, it's, it's, people. it's interesting because people say, you know, like, I think one of the biggest things that's grown is Super Bowl media, the, the, the look media at this. row and I mean, all this is that. Amazing. I mean, you just look around here and all the people, and now there's fans are, are getting close to all these celebrities and, and things like that. Well, you got to remember as a player, you, the media comes to you. You're in your hotel. You do an hour media session on Wednesday and Thursday. You have your media day, but you're not around this, so you don't really know what's right. going on at the convention center and and things like that. But it just seems each and every year they continue to grow things around the football game.
1: Was that an advantage for you guys uh, when those great Dallas teams? Because you guys kind of had a traveling show. I mean, kind of like the Lakers used to be and kind of like the Pistons used to be, uh, Duke basketball. Everybody wanted to come out and see America's team, wanted to see the Cowboys. Um, do you think that was an advantage, not being in this social networking age and all the attention and all the media and everything as opposed to then?
2: Well, I think you look at our Dallas Cowboy teams, and uh, there were enough guys who got into enough yeah. trouble without the social media. Right. So it would be a little scary to think of what our our team would have been like with, with pictures with all the and attention. phones and all those things. But as far as the media, you know, that never affected us because a normal Wednesday or Thursday in Dallas, you have an error from 20 to 40 reports yeah. in the locker room. Anyways, a lot of these teams on a normal Wednesday, they have two or three guys in yeah. the locker room. So so the media stuff never really phased our team. In fact, we rather embraced it.
1: Dale Hillestry with us, three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, you know, you you probably, Dale, were uh, at a time now, your position as a specialist, as a, as a special teams uh, center, and also... Uh, as a, you know, you were on the line in a lot of different positions, kind of a plug-in. Right. Um, that has become a huge, huge thing in this specialized game. I think you were one of the, you know, one of those pioneers, maybe back that really be, that became something special. You were huge with the Cowboys in that position, and Jimmy really appreciated it. Your, your coaches, uh, you're being able to plug you in, and also handling the special teams duties.
2: Yeah, what's interesting is, as I said, broadcasting college football games for the first time in my life, I heard. A penalty, one of the games I was doing for roughing the snapper, and it just made me shake my head of how far the game has come to where you can't even line up over the long snapper anymore. Back in the '80s and '90s, they'd line up four guys between the guards, coming and in
1: A-B a, a, B gap.
2: Yeah, and all they were wanting to do was run you over and see if they could distract you from your snap. So. Um, I try and tell kids, I mean, you can get a Division One scholarship for just snapping now, and all those things have changed. So I, I think, it really, you, you look at the, the position, and it really has evolutionized over the years. All right, so
1: tell me, you're involved with something a lot of people have been through. we got Wounded Warriors coming in, Coach Ditka, Coach Big on Wounded Warriors. I just had some uh, Rocky Blyer in. Uh, military benefit, um, huge game Saturday, this flag football game, with, uh, with amputees, with uh, vets playing against NFL alumni, and having the opportunity to raise awareness and funds for the military benefit. Tell me about that.
2: Well, that, that is what, one of the big things that I'm here for. It's a spectacular deal that goes on Saturday. You can honor uh, our war heroes. And, and the other thing is it's really amazing when you see these guys go out there and compete. They don't want to lose. And, and some of them have prosthetics. Some of them are missing an arm. Some are missing a hand. But yet you get out there and watch them run and compete, and they have the time of their life. And they look so forward to playing a game in front of a lot of people. And it's it's just a, a wonderful experience. I've been doing it now for about five years. And just to see their eyes light up when these people are cheering for them and all that, it's pretty spectacular. And the, and the other thing that I, I am talking about a little bit is just artificial joints. Right. And it, it's something that I have. I have an artificial hip. I'm just encouraging people. If you have pain go see your doctor It's not as scary as I thought it was I, I put mine off about five years because I was afraid of what was gonna happen I went in at seven in the morning I was out at nine wow. I was walking at 10 without the pain Everything went spectacular and all I all I want people to do cause I hear so many people oh I'm you know my my, my knees killing me my hips killing me I'm afraid to do this I'm afraid to go see the doctor. Go see your doctor. If he says you need an artificial joint, don't be afraid. I
1: just had a son-in-law, a professional surfer. He's only 39, and uh, he's getting ready to do that because he had a car accident, and he's been surfing all these years, finally retired. They wanted him to wait a little longer because of the span. Right. You know, now it's longer, uh, and he's getting ready to get it. So. He's very excited about that. He's been limping and over and being able to surf and yeah. not walk well. So,
2: Well, what happens is it starts affecting the rest of your body yeah. and it affects your sleep and all that. So so uh, Zimmer Biomed is, is a company that, that I went with, but they, all they're doing is encourage you to go see your orthopedic surgeon.
1: Dale Hillistray here. Dale, great to see you, buddy. A love your family. God bless you. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you.
3: Hi, this is Katie Ulander, three-time Olympian for USA Skeleton. That's headfirst, 80 miles an hour on a cookie sheet. And you're listening to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio.
0: To a best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with U.S. Olympic basketball player Lisa Leslie. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports, or follow Roman on Twitter at Sold Out 41.
1: Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR Talk. Roman Gabriel III, your host, Super Bowl 49. We're having a great weekend. We've got two here that are two of my favorites. One from last year, Lisa Leslie, former WNBA and Olympic gold medalist, Marcellus Wiley, Buffalo Bills, NFL, ESPN extraordinaire. Always. You're all over ESPN, aren't you? Oh, a lot
4: of reruns, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do it once, but it just keeps coming on. But thank you, brother.
1: Well, I'm fired up to have you guys in here today. And of course, this is after my own heart. We talked about this last year. I mean, Kids, junior high, high school, schools, school choice. That's what you're all about. And you know the good news is, is that you guys have expanded, because I'm seeing here 41 programs in 19 states, including my state, North Carolina. So, Marcellus, you first. Why did you get involved with this with Lisa?
4: Yeah, I got involved with the Federation just because it's about choice, and it's about cultivating these students to have the best opportunity for education, despite location. And we both grew up in Compton, California. Uh, I was told at a young age that I wouldn't go to the Compton public schools and uh, frankly we had to manipulate the system to find the best location and the best opportunities for me to go to school. And it paid off, I mean I got the opportunity to go to Columbia University, but at the same time I want to make sure that every kid has that opportunity as well. Find the best location and, and the education so we can cultivate the best students.
1: Lisa, how are we doing this in terms of um, getting the word out about school choice and how are you executing this
5: well it's been going great i have to say first that we've um, i've gotten together several of my celebrity friends we put together a psa which is being very successful and you know obviously getting the information out there i don't know how many parents really know that school choice is available and it's going to be important because the rules change state by state so you have to check. Go to AmericanFederation.org to figure out what your state is offering if you're not sure. But when it comes down to school choice and kids having these opportunities to go, we're not against public schools. We're saying the best public school or the best private school or charter school or even home school. It really depends on what's best for each child. But parents need to to have this information. Uh, They need to figure out what their government officials are saying. And luckily for the folks here in Phoenix, uh, in Arizona, they are for school choice. So you really need to check out your state and see what they're talking about. And then, you know, it's up, the onus goes on to the parents too. Parents have to do their due diligence and figure out how their school is ranked, how their children are performing as an individual, and what would be the best situation for their child.
1: Marcellus Wiley with us and Lisa Leslie and uh, Marcellus you just said the key word for kids you know I I'm around a lot of students in the programs that that I work with in schools and the big thing that you hear from them is is they want to reach their dreams and goals but some of them think that they don't have hope to do so based upon their background but you're living proof from Compton to Columbia so if you're talking to students today what would you tell them about your experience and about them reaching their dreams and goals and how you go about doing that
4: yeah, the first thing is to establish your identity to actually set goals, and the goals have to come from that identity. Uh, I remember my grandmother, uh, age seven, she told me I was getting bullied, picked on in school. The little local, what? yeah, little local gangsters <laughs> wanted me to join, and I was like, "Nah." Then my uncles jumped in and said, "Leave him alone," and they found other ways to mess with me. And I remember my grandmother in that moment of adversity, she said. Baby, I want you to write down your name on a piece of paper. I'm looking at my grandma like, all right, grandma, what, what's this? What's going on? So I wrote my name at the top, Marcellus Vernon Wiley. She said, now, write down three things that you are. I'm like, three things that I am? I said, okay. Uh, I said, I'm smart because I got second in the spelling bee for our school, so I feel good. Uh, and I said, smart. And then I said, athletic because I was good on my football team. And I said, um, uh, nice. I said, I like everyone at school, even if some of them don't like me. She said, okay, smart, athletic, and nice. Marcel's Bernie White. She said, baby, if someone calls you anything on this piece of paper, you listen to them. If they don't, don't pay them no mind. And I said, huh. And it was just a simple lesson for me to have an identity and a railroad to know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be known as the smart, nice athlete. And uh, that kind of navigated me through around the terrain and the obstacles that was in front of me.
1: Awesome. So setting goals and getting around those obstacles and knowing where you want to go. Yeah. And that's a big thing for these kids today is attention span of being able to have a purpose in their life. So you guys are here. This is an incredible atmosphere at Media Day uh, earlier this week. And I know, Marcellus, you've been here all week long and you know all about this. But I've been asking Russell Wilson and a lot of the athletes on both the Seahawks and the Patriots one question this week. And that's what we're all about at the Face Sports Network. I want to ask you first, Marcellus, and then, well, Lisa first and then, Marcellus. Faith, family, and basketball, what does it mean to you? And faith, family, and football, what does that mean to you?
5: Well, you know, now that I have children, I guess I speak to this, that I tell my kids, you know, the four most important things. Number one is God. uh, Number two is family. Number three is education. And number four is sports. So that's sort of our one, two, three, four that my four-year-old son will tell you or my seven-year-old daughter. And I think that... For all of the things that I achieved, being in Compton, I remember walking down the street to the church, uh, that was something that really helped me, believing in God and and committing to the Lord, regardless of, you know, there's ups and downs that you take in life, but you when you have that base, you always know what's right and, and what you should do, and that faith base for me is very strong, and I talk about it publicly, and I always have. Um, I think the second thing, is like I said, family, having a strong support, my mom being a single parent, but she just worked so hard, she's just always driven, but she always had her nails polished and her lipstick, so it also sent that message to me that, you know, you can work hard, you can be strong, but it's a choice to be a lady, and so I say to young girls, you don't have to look like the boys to play sports, um, go after it, do the best you can, but You know maintain your femininity and everybody didn't necessarily agree with that message but that's my message because god made me female and as a woman i think there's a perk and a beautiful thing that i like to embrace about that um and then the last thing you know you know education Uh, we cannot make it without educating ourselves and regardless of what your circumstance is whether you have a single parent or a foster home i mean we can make up all these excuses of why you know, the odds are sort of against you, but I can come up with a lot of reasons of why if you write down your goals, like Marcella said, and you stay focused and make sacrifices, you you can make it. And it's not easy. It's hard work and it takes a lot of dedication, but keeping God first definitely makes the path and the sort of the journey that much more st- better. You know
1: what, Marcellus, I can definitely tell the difference between Les- Lisa Leslie and you right now.
4: Looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. She's beautiful. And I'm just sitting here Thank you. disturbing this camera right now. Faith family, <laughs> faith family football for you, what does it mean? Oh, I mean, faith gives you the power. It gives you the knowledge of that things are greater than you and those greater things can actually give you the power to be even greater than you are. Uh, I've always known that that's Uh, How I get things done is is through that faith and then family is is who I do it for you know And and it's funny playing sports as a professional Um, I remember the day where it was like this is not just about me This is about family legacy This is about that last name on the back of that jersey to really bring the village along with me on that path And football was how I got it done, you know, and it, it was a family outside of my own family uh, I have thousands of brothers all throughout this world that I've played with and uh, tremendous guys that have lent themselves to my experience and, and vice versa. It, it football, and I don't like to bash other sports, but this is a unique one because football, when you can't walk, you still got to go run and get hit. And, and that takes a different mindset to know that I'm going to run through all adversity, all walls in life. And then once you leave that, that realm, you just looking around at the world and people say, oh, we're going to have a tough day, a hard day, a long day, and I'm just giggling on the inside. Like You have no idea what a hard day feels yeah. like. And that's what football gives you it instills that in you.
1: Marcellus Wiley, ESPN and former Buffalo Bills, big man on campus. I tell you what, he's something else. Lisa Leslie, WNBA. And uh, we're going to say it again right here, American Federation for Children. You know, if you've been thinking lately, you know, I want to look into the options for my kids about what I think would be the best situation for them, then you need to go to the website. Lisa, again, the website they need to go to. Yes,
5: AmericanFederationForChildren.org.
1: I'm going to ask you guys one final thing before we go, and this, this, is really, this is really critical. The one thing in your life, and we'll start with Marcellus, the one thing in your life that you can point to today that helped to make you who you are today? Or the person, either way, which one?
4: You know, it's interesting, I, I, if there was one event, the event probably was um, that spelling bee when I, I got second place, not wow. first place. Second place was more important than getting first place. I think I would've got cocky if I won. Yeah. Uh, but I remember <laughs> losing to Kenya Petaway. Well, <laughs> he even knows the name. Oh, this, was this great who beat him, my I life. like that. This girl changed my life. And it was a. The word was queen. And and I said, Q-U-E-E-N, queen. And the principal looked at me and she's like, I'm gonna use it in a sentence. The queen was beautiful. And I said, Q-U-E-E-N, and I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, I got this, I'm gonna win. And she says, Kenya, would you like to spell queen? She says, yes, capital (laughs) Q-U-E-E-N. I was like, what? And she, she won. What happened is I start crying. I went backstage after I stopped crying. I said, Kenya, how'd you know how to spell it with a capital? She said, I saw it in the book. And I'm not lying. That moment, I said, details matter. Oh, now, don't just be in class. That's pay a attention. great story. Don't just read the book. Retain the knowledge. And
5: How great was that?
4: That's what second grade. I'm trying to spell queen. Wow. I was like,
1: he remembers back to second grade who the name was and everything. Oh, How are yeah. you, Lisa? You got me.
5: Well, I think that I'm very lucky that I was um, a, a little girl who loved the Lord early. And I think that that's been the key for my whole life of just, being in love with the Lord has really driven me, and uh, my mom. My mom, being such, she's tall, she's beautiful, um, she's very positive and very loving.
1: That sounds like you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: you know, and she's very strong, but she she does it in such a, a beautiful, tasteful way. Or she, you know, I, I love that about my mom, and so she's been my everything. And I think that having her as a role model has truly. Um, made me the woman that I am today and that would probably be the you know giving God the glory and just my mom and her ability to lead and love even when she didn't feel love you know um, that's made me the person that I am and I don't know if there's one event other than when I was seven I would sign my name all around the house and I was also in second grade (laughs) and my mom was like Lisa why are you signing your name and I was like, I don't know, one day I'm going to give out autographs. Wow. And so she said, well, who are you going to give autographs to? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I don't know who my audience is yet, but I know I'm going to give out autographs. So that's cool. I don't know if that's what you call, you know, sort of that, you know, out of the, the mouths of babes, sure. you know what I mean? It's just one of those things that it. was a You're part of my it, yeah. life. Uh, that This is sort of the destiny, I say, and I just try to fulfill it. And at the end of the day, I just hope that, you know, the Lord can say it's a job well done.
1: Marcellus Wiley. All world, ESPN, Buffalo Bills, Lisa Leslie, WNBA Olympic champion. They're all about school choice, American Federation for Children. Guys, thanks for stopping by. This is Don Davis, former player with the New England Patriots, two-time Super Bowl champion. You're on with Sold Out Sports with Roman Gabriel III, my man.
0: Welcome back to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with pastor and skateboarder Christian Hosoi. Visit fspn.net for faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. And follow Roman on Twitter, at SoldOut41.
1: Over 200 stations across the country. All you have to do is go to afr.net find the station in your area. Uh, also, You can go to Sold Out to follow us on Facebook, two words, or you can Twitter with us, one word, Sold Out 41, the number 41 at the end, that's Sold Out 41. And our guest coming in, no different than any other week. I tell you what, I've had two of his associate pastors that are, uh, well, these guys, these guys some serious skateboarding in Southern California. Brian Sumners and Jay Hazlip was with us from the Sanctuary Church, senior pastor a couple weeks ago. My guest tonight joining us is Christian Asoy and, of course, Christian's got an incredible up-and-down story, a, a great testimony of how God can change a life. And uh, This guy, w- another one of these uh, standout professional skateboarders, uh, had some heavy-duty competitions of verticals with uh, the great Tony Hawk. He and, uh, had some great battles. Uh, also, he can get in the pool. He can do it extreme. Uh, actually came back and might be some, uh, a record 40 years old to win a gold medal at the uh, X Games which has become a huge huge spectacle on ESPN has changed uh, the way that skateboarding and surfing and other extreme sports are viewed in our country so our guest pastor Christian Asoy how you doing Christian
6: doing great wonderful to be here
1: hey first of all let me say this we were talking earlier off the air you know growing up in southern california there's nothing like it you know i grew up in the 70s out there you're probably about 6 7 years younger than i am Um, Skateboarding when I was growing up in junior high and high school was pretty cool. Had a lot of friends that did it, obviously, a lot of surfing friends because we were so close to the coast. Um, Obviously for you guys, what an incredible story to have three guys like yourselves, Brian, Jay, and yourself that have that background, that have that in common, and, of course, most importantly, have a changed lives in common, what God's done in your life through this sport.
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, it it really is amazing how God could take our gifts and talents and really use it for a platform and a vehicle to preach the gospel. And I'm just excited about, you know, because I remember just sitting there telling God on my triple-decker bunk bed in in jail when I first got arrested, because... You know, my story is I never went to church, I never read a Bible, and I got there and all these spiritual markers started hitting me, my name Christian, my nickname Christ, all in the mid-80s on the cover of the magazine, to inventing the Christ there, and no one told me about Jesus my whole life. My parents didn't raise me, you know, going to church, I never prayed, and so I'd never been, and finally I get into a prison cell and open up the Bible, and it's like God spoke His truth into my life. And I gave my life to Jesus, and I just remember saying, I'll quit skating, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you, I'll, I'll, I'll leave my family, I'll, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And I remember the Lord speaking to me clearly, and he said, I gave you your wife, I gave you your children, I gave you skateboarding, your gifts and talents, all from me. And I said, oh my goodness, I get it, Lord. And I just remember saying, I, I repent of that thought, And I said, I'll be the best husband, I'll be the best father, and I will be the best skater that I can be to be able to represent you in this world that I live in. And I said, use me, use it all for your glory. And I just remember that just going, wow, what a moment. You know, you think you're having a holy moment with the Lord saying, I'll give it all up for you. And And I did. You know what I mean? In my heart, I was saying, I will give it all up. And I just remember the Lord just going, you know what? I'm going to use all of that to be able to reach people, about to, to tell people about my love, my forgiveness, my mercy, and my grace. And I was like, hallelujah. I cannot wait. Because I told the Lord, I said, you know what? One day I'll be out, and I'll be doing interviews, I'll be preaching, and I'll be preaching the gospel, telling my testimony, and I'd probably be right here on this, you know, <laughs> radio station with you telling my story one day, you know? And and these are things that I went through in my early walk with the Lord, and here I am now, almost 13 years later, just loving life, excited about life, and I get to share it through a book, you know? And, I mean, I've done documentaries, Rising Sun, that's been huge, uh, impacting on people's lives, driving people to come to the Sanctuary Church, and now the book, and I'm just I'm just elated that God could use, you know, skateboarding now to be able to, you know, relevantly reach people and touch their hearts in such a way that they would come to church, they would actually give God a shot, you know what I mean? In, in, in a world where there was no God. I don't remember God being anywhere in skateboarding. I don't remember anybody being saved. I don't remember anyone saying they went to church. And so I just want to be a light in that industry. And not only that industry, but I want to be a light in this world.
1: Pastor Krishna Soy is our guest, professional skateboarder. And uh, this this guy has an incredible record. I mean, when you look at what he has accomplished in the skateboarding world, I mean... I could go down a list that I'm looking at here, but let's just put it this way. If he was a team sports guy, uh, he, he'd be a, a Michael Jordan or a, or Dan Marino or, a, a, or somebody along those lines that's just, uh, you know, won all the awards, had all the accolades. And your story is a lot like a lot of guys that I've had, you know, on this program, Christian, that, you know, a lot of people talk about what satisfies them in life and when you look at our world today, which is so motivated uh, towards the individual and towards music and entertainment and being somebody and, you know, all the, the accolades that are given to sports stars and movie stars and just this unreal world that we show our young people that just doesn't quite compute in somebody's real life. And one of the things that that I always like to talk to guys about is, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Sometimes God has to take us to the depths and to the bottom to get our attention. In your case, you were at the top of the world as a professional skateboarder, spent four years incarcerated, uh, drug possession and drug use. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys out there uh, in your sport uh, that there's a perception that this is what, what is the norm. Uh, I have a stepson that's a professional surfer or a son-in-law that's a professional surfer, uh, has been his whole life. He's 34, 35 today, and, uh, you know, he hangs out with a group of guys that happen to be those guys you were talking about that nobody really saw, which were guys that got saved at an early age and, and began to make a difference in their sport in terms of that you could do it a different way. What's the what's the most uh, critical thing that God taught you in prison or in incarcerated for four years while you were there? Well, it, it
6: taught me that, you know, it's not about, you know, the things that can make you happy in life. You know what I mean? I went from, you know, having everything on a silver platter and it, it there was always something missing. There was like this void in my heart that the world couldn't fill. No, not m- money, no amount of fame, no amount of girls, no amount of parties, not amount of drugs. Nothing could fulfill me and give me the contentment and that joy and peace that only the Lord can give. And I always say my heart was like a bucket full of holes. I just kept putting it in, putting it in, putting it in, just kept draining out, draining out, and draining out. And what I discovered in prison was that everyone says it's such a shame Christian went from prison his whole life, having everything he ever wanted, everyone wishing they were me, to getting into a prison cell and getting locked up. And I always say it's the opposite way around. I went from prison living in sin and death on the, you know, edge of eternity, separated from God at any moment, to getting into a prison cell and getting set free by the power of God's love, his mercy and his grace and forgiveness. And it was like I gave my life to Jesus two weeks after I got to prison. I remember reading the Bible for the first time and it was like I was the the guilt, the shame, the hurt, the pain just washed off my shoulders. I felt like, you know, I, I was content. I had peace for the first time in my whole life. And I spent five, almost five years in prison, a free man for the first time in my life. And so what did I discover there? I discovered the, the power of God who can give me the freedom and the victory over sin and death, that I could have peace, love, joy, fruits of the Spirit. You know, kindness, goodness, uh, uh, patience, and self-control in the midst of my hardship and tribulation. And who would ever know that you'd find it in that rock-bottom experience? And and it's just, you know, sometimes people don't have that second chance, though. I know so many of my friends that, you know, I, I could look back on and go, Man, such a good guy. Why did he have to not make it? You know, why did he have to pass away? Well, I have a second chance, and I'm going to take advantage of it. And, you know, so many people, you know, the time in prison takes advantage of them, and it just makes them depressed and just totally just destroys their, their manhood, their esteem, and everything. But really, I took advantage of the time. I didn't let them take advantage of me. I studied the Word. I did every correspondence course I could take. I did read every single Christian book that was in the library I read and had my wife send in as many Bibles translations as possible study Bibles to see the difference compare the notes I was had dictionaries of course everything and I just have it laid out and I just needed to know God and so that was where prison was my my almost foundation to be able to say, I'm going to stay committed, I'm going to be loyal unto my God, and I want to represent Jesus Christ here on this earth in a powerful way, in who he really is. You know, when the Bible says he's given us authority over all the the snakes, scorpions, and, and, and we, we have that. You know what I mean? But we walk around so defeated at times. I look at Christians, and they walk around like the devil's, like, on their back. And we got to put the devil where he belongs, and that's underneath our foot. You know what I mean? And just say, no, you are not going to, you know, come in and, and, and torment my family, my wife, my children, my friends, business coworkers. My, I mean, those are things that I, I have this just, you know, enthusiasm, and, and it, it's exciting Pushing. and adventurous.
1: Hang to in, in to there. We're Christian.
6: gonna
1: hang in there. We're gonna take a break come back with christian Assoy. we're going to talk about what he's doing at the sanctuary we're going to talk more about his skateboarding career x games gold medalist and uh guys making a difference in many people's lives when we come back on sold out sports talk on afr talk join us at sold out two words on facebook hang in there more with christian Assoy when we come back
3: I'm Meredith Kirk, LPGA member and also executive director of the Junior Golf Exchange, juniorgolfexchange.org. You're listening to the original RG3 on sold-out sports talk.com.
0: listening to a best-of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with LPGA golfer Katie Dedlipson. Visit fspn.net for all things faith, family, and sports. Or follow Roman on Twitter at SoldOut41.
1: This young lady coming in, UCF graduate. Uh, she's from Minnesota, one of my favorite places. Uh, participant on Big Break Myrtle Beach. Of course, my dad lives close down there, loved that show. So we're going to talk some golf uh, with Katie Detwilson. Katie, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing great. Doing great.
1: Great to have you on the show. We've, we've, uh, we love our golf on uh, Sold Out Sports Talk, so uh, always great to have somebody that loves the links, and you're talking to somebody who loves to play golf. So awesome.
3: Absolutely. I love, I love every part of it. I love playing, teaching, coaching, and, and uh, following the pros as well.
1: <laughs> okay, so you're from an area that I know a little bit about. I had a, a, a girlfriend of mine years ago that I went to St. Cloud, Minnesota with and was introduced to Minnesota, and it really had a great time up there, enjoyed uh, the state of Minnesota, very beautiful. And uh, you're from, uh, is that Minnehaha Academy High School up there? In, is that Egan, Minnesota, where you're from?
3: Yeah, I'm from Egan. I went to Minnehaha, the private Christian school for high school, um, and I, I mean, I love Minnesota. It's, it's probably not the best state for golf year round, of course, but, um, it's beautiful up there. Um, so it was, I was lucky to grow up in Minnesota and, and yeah, Minnehaha was a great high school that I went to there it was a big part of my spiritual foundation as well. So.
1: Well, I'm looking at, uh, not just a spiritual foundation here, but as I looked at your statistics and your performance in golf in high school, man, you were dominant. Wow. You got, you, you, you kicked a little butt up there.
3: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, I had I had you know started playing on my high school team when I was a seventh grader and really piqued my interest. Yeah, you know, I did other sports as well. I played basketball a little bit, some other things and some dance and that sort of thing and I really decided to focus on golf and my eighth grade my eighth grade year I missed qualifying for the state tournament and I think that that sort of you know, sometimes you have a failure that kinda of launches you in a really good direction and I think that was how it went for me, um, yeah, I decided I, I wanted to really take my game seriously and really put a lot of extra practice in and stuff, and um, yeah, I won the state tournament my freshman year of high school, and each year subsequently until I graduated, so it was, um, it was an awesome, awesome experience. I loved my time at Minnehaha, and playing high school golf was a blast.
1: So you got out of cold Minnesota and played year-round at University of Central Florida, and uh, let's say this, too, academic All-America as well, so great with the books. And uh, golf, is, golf is a really interesting sport to me because I play team sports, played basketball, football, baseball. And, you know, it's so different, you know, when you're playing with 45 people. And, and even when something goes wrong, you know, it's all about team. But one thing that I really appreciate about golf, and it does say a lot about life, is that it's just you out there with the ball it's you competing against yourself and when there's a mistake boy everybody sees it don't they
3: Mhm absolutely yeah golf definitely comes with its own uh, its own challenges and certainly you know being mentally strong uh to play good golf and um you know being your own best coach out there is probably one of the toughest things and and not being your own worst enemy but uh definitely takes a lot of discipline and practice and you know, sometimes it's it's nice in college and, and even high school golf when when you get to be in a a little bit more of a team environment. So it's not you know it's, just, it's not just you out there um, practicing and stuff. Because I think it's more fun to be practicing with some friends and and that sort of thing. You can do little challenges and and it helps you to get better. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a a unique sport. It's definitely all on you a bit um, more than than some of the other uh, than the other sports.
1: Katie Dedleson is with us, assistant uh, golf coach at uh, Florida Golf Coast University, former UCF grad. And, okay, so one of my shows that I like to watch on the Golf Channel is Big Break Myrtle Beach. Of course, it's not too far from us here in Boone, North Carolina, and I'm from Wilmington, which is not too far from there either. So tell Mm -hmm. me about uh, Big Break, about how you got involved with that and about your experience there.
3: Yes, I know a few other girls that have been on on Big Break uh, previously. Uh, Let's see. Sarah Brown, Stephanie Knoyer, some other um, golfers that had done junior college um, golf with, and they'd been on the show and had good experiences. Um, You you always wonder with reality TV how, like, real it is, or are they going to try to make you say things that aren't true? And and so I I felt pretty good about the integrity of the show kind of going into it. Um, So I I applied. They have an online application that I applied, and, Heard back and did an interview in Orlando um, where they filmed some swings and, and uh, talked to me a little more and then found out a few months later that I had been selected for, uh, for a big break. I didn't know it was in Myrtle Beach yet. They don't tell you that information until like right before you're, you know, you're basically on the plane heading out, but uh, it was really fun to be in Myrtle Beach. I hadn't really spent much time there, so it was uh, cool to see the area and some of the golf courses.
1: Okay, so how much is this, uh, what part of the show is scripted and what part, like you said, you know, all reality shows people think are just, you know, off the cuff, but obviously most reality shows do have some scripting. So tell me about how that worked and, and, and how could you be natural in terms of golfing and, and what they asked you to do from a personality standpoint?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I really approached the thing from the start. I From a personality standpoint, you know, even on the auditions, I'm like, I'm going to be myself and it's. If that's the type of person they want on the show, then great. And if not, then, you know, that's fine. And um, so, you know, on Big Break, they really like to tell different people's stories, people from different places. I mean, our show had had uh, contestants from really all over the world. And, and so it's really telling your story. Um, in terms of the golf, I think that provides enough drama in and of itself that they don't really need to add a lot. Um, obviously they pick some people with a variety of personalities and sometimes those personalities clash. Um, but other than that, they really, I, I i would say there wasn't really anything that was scripted other than what the competitions were going to be on any given day. Um, and just seeing where the chips fall, you know, golf does provide a lot of drama. You never really know what's going to happen. So,
1: Katie Dettleson with us, uh, right here on sold out sports talk on AFR talk. And, you know, one of the things about that show uh, that a lot of people don't realize is, is they kind of put all the competition together because they have to do it in, you know, in a short period of time. But how, how long does it play out for each challenge? How much golf is played uh, that they added into what the final show is? Yeah. So we, we played,
3: let's see, we were in Myrtle beach for, you know, a little more than two weeks. Uh, so it's basically filming an episode a day, um, and let's see what else there's to say about that. I mean, uh, there's times, uh, not, I will say none of the results are, are fit in any way. I mean, there's times where if maybe two people are, are playing off to see who's, who leaves the show on a given day, there might be a few, you know, there might be a hole that you, the viewer doesn't see, but, um they're going to essentially show the the game point, the deciding shot um, accurately and, yeah, you know, none of it's sort of scripted on in terms of who's going to do well and not do well, I would, I would say that. Now, some of the competitions can, uh, you know, whether if you're picking teams or if you have to decide if you think someone's going to pull off a shot or not, eh, that can get a little bit, uh, you know, emotional for some people, but... <laughs>
1: Well, they do a great job on the show. I mean, it's a fun show to watch. And as a PGA teaching pro, you get a chance to work with youngsters. You know, obviously you work as a college coach. So obviously youth golf is, is so important in, in bringing up the next generation to play the game of golf. Um, tell tell me about how your experience is coming together as a college player, as playing some tour events, as, as being a golf coach, how that's helped you in terms of your teaching, and, and what is it you like most about working with young people?
3: Yeah. I love working with juniors. You know, um, I've learned so much throughout my experiences with golf and it's really a joy to pass on the things you've learned to whether it's girls, boys that are growing up and they want to be, they want to be golfers. And maybe they're just trying it for the first time. If you can help them to have an enjoyable experience from the start, um, golf can really be a life lifelong sport. Even if kids are doing other activities, which is, which is a good thing too should do all kinds of activities when they're young. I mean, you, you look at even Jordan spieth you know, did all kinds of other sports um, early on as a junior. But it's really fun to see the kids uh, have fun with golf. And, um, you know, like you mentioned before, there's a lot of life lessons that you can learn out on the golf course. And um, I've been a part of LPGA, USGA Girls Golf, which is a, a great program. Um, I mean, the, the first tee is a great program. And I've I've been fortunate to learn from some some really great junior teachers that um, have helped me to communicate some of the sort of golf truths that I know in a way that's engaging for the kids, and um, it's just really fun to see them to see them enjoying it.
1: About a minute left with Katie Dettleson right here on Sold Out Sports Talk and Afr Talk, and I see you know obviously you're a strong Christian. I follow you on your on your different pages, and so how do you work in uh, you know your relationship with God and how you make that happen with uh, working with youth?
3: Yeah, I think um, you know if you're if you're a believer, I think I think your faith really should impact every area of your life. You know, I think certainly it's through the Spirit that love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control—it's, you know, it's—it's going to come out whether you're you know, directly teaching young people those values, um, or just the way that you can be a role model and an example for people. Um, and I think also, you know, showing people grace too. I know with golf, it's, it's definitely a sport where, you know, I, I've fallen into in my past some of the perfectionism and and trying to make everything perfect, and, um, you know, even wrapping your identity up in in the results. And, um, you know, the gospel is telling us it's not about our performance, and we're accepted no matter what. And uh, it doesn't mean we don't go out and do our best and um, use the gifts we've been given, but, um, yeah, I I think if if you're truly a believer, you know, it's going to touch each aspect of your life, whether, you know, teaching or playing or um, whatever you may be doing.
1: Katie Detleson, you can check her out on all of her social pages. She's on Twitter and Facebook and youngsters, if you want a great example of how to do it, Faith, Family and Golf, this is the young lady to follow. Katie, I appreciate you coming in with us and good luck with everything with your new job. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks, Katie.